Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. Well, how the heck is everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. This is the podcast where TLDR does not apply and the study of history is a way of life. Indeed, it is a way of life every single day of the week. I don't know if you folks want to hear something a little bit more lighthearted or not, but I figure, what the heck? I don't do that very often. I, very often, I'm, I'm yelling into the microphone, and I'm talking about conspiracy to commit murder, piles of dead bodies, and my my various frustrations with World War One, the, the United States' inability to defend itself today, amongst a, a plethora of other things. That are all very serious, and you know this t- this discussion today is going to be somewhat serious, but it's also going to be kind of a, a fun exploration into the society that we live in today. I'm going to talk about, as you probably judged by the title of this episode, I'm going to talk about the generations that live in this country today. Now, with, and not all of them, because there, there's a there's the latest generation that that is just being that they're still all children. None of them have become adults yet, and then there's. You know, some of the very older folks in the country that are still around, like my grandmother, for example, who come from a generation before this, but uh, we're, we're going to leave them out of the discussion for the time being. I may revisit that at a later date, and I'm going to talk about the generations that make up the largest share of population in this country today. And I, I never did, you know, when, they, when Generation Z finally got completed, for lack of a better way of putting it, I never did check their population in this country to see if it was bigger than Generation Y, millennial generation, so to speak. The uh, millennial generation was largely regarded as being the largest generation since the baby boom generation. It's a very large group of people, as best as I recall. But anyway, I'm going to talk about that. Why? Because, you know, sometimes people don't keep up with this. Like, what, what, what is a millennial? What is a Gen Z? What is a, what is a, what is a Gen X? And what is Boomer? And by the way, there have been a lot of really flawed numbers kicked around as far as when these people are born. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. My generation, which would be Generation Y, a.k.a. the millennial generation, if you're curious what the millennial generation is, it's a, it's a nickname for Generation Y. And they were called, we were called millennials, I, I guess I should say, because the, the general idea behind that generation was is they all came of age in the new millennium. They were the first people to come of age in the new millennium. And that gives you a hint as to when they were born. And what, what does that mean by coming of age? Usually graduating high school, turning 18, somewhere in that ballpark. But there have been a lot of flawed numbers kicked around over the years, especially about that generation. Like, I have heard people say that that generation started in 1976 and ended in, like, 1994. I've heard, you know, 1985 and ended in 2000 and so on and so forth. And by the way, all those numbers are wrong. The consensus, the best number that I ever heard and the general consensus such as I understand it, and I pulled a news article that I think is probably the best article on when these generations are defined. So you know that I'm not the one who's coming up with these numbers. These are just the ones that I agree with when these generations were born. And why does this matter? Somebody might somebody might ask, you know, on a, on a podcast about the founding fathers, why why in the heck does this matter? Why are we talking about generations? What is it? What is this what is this turning into? Is this turning into the the societal commentary podcast now, Roman? What are we doing here? You, you know, believe it or not, this actually does have something to do with this podcast, if not the founding fathers. At the beginning of this podcast, I routinely say that, you know, this is the podcast where 
TLDR does not apply. Do you think that's more of a problem in some generations than it is others? I think so. So don't you think gener the generations that we're talking about have something to do with this podcast? And don't you think the this thing about not studying history has gotten worse over the years with each successive generation in this country? I think it has. I mean, it's been bad for a long time. Well, let's be honest. I mean, Generation X, you know, for, for to be brutally honest with you, you Gen Xers out there, your generation sucks rocks when it comes to studying history. It's terrible. It's just as bad as my generation. And, and Gen Z, good, don't even get me started. Gen Z doesn't even try. The baby boom generation, honestly, it was a dumpster fire there, too, as far as studying history. You'd have to actually go back quite a ways. But believe it or not, it is actually getting worse. As bad as it is, as bad as the baby boomers were, Gen X was worse. And the millennials were even worse. And Gen Z is even worse. I mean, it's just, it's it's this gradual, you know, sliding downward of this uh, this this thing about studying history. And, you know, the, the, the second thing I like to say, you know, the study of history is a way of life, that that's getting lost with each successive generation. And I think I have I have a mindset around generations that I want to describe to you. Uh, once I get through talking about the uh, what each generation is, the definition of each generation, I'm going to tell you what it is that I think that you can do if you live in each one of these generations to escape the gravitational pull of stupid that seems to pr prevail in so many of these generations as they come and go. Because I believe I have somehow miraculously managed to escape the gravitational pull of stupid in my generation. Uh, how that happened, I don't, I, I, it's hard to describe. I don't know exactly 100% how. I do know a little bit of it, and I'm going to tell, I'm going to talk to you about it when I get through this. So, so bear with me. And I think this is a valuable conversation to have on any history podcast, but especially this one. I bill this podcast out as being a family-friendly podcast. There's no cursing or swearing, although I do make prolific use of the word friggin, the other word which shall not be mentioned because this is a family-friendly podcast after all. And I do that so that, you know, parents and grandparents can send their children and their grandchildren to this podcast without worrying about me dropping profanities every 30 seconds like some podcast hosts are want to do these days. And sometimes younger folks are not told about how these generational things work. And how one generation impacts another. There really isn't a great discourse around this. People like to treat it like each generation is an island unto itself. I've talked about this before. Like, like no man is an island unto himself. I, I firmly believe that no generation is an island unto itself. We stand on the shoulders of the people who came before us in a great many ways. And we can either improve upon what they did, or we can destroy what they created... Or just let it fall to pieces and rot all around us. So believe me, history and generations, the study of history, the study of generations, it all goes hand in hand. This, this, this topic is very applicable to this podcast. It may not seem like it. It may seem like I'm just doing a pop culture discussion on Generation Z and so on and so forth. But that, believe me, that's, that's not what this is. So bear with me. And if this isn't your particular cup of tea, you can discontinue listening to this particular episode of the podcast, and you can wait until the next one, in which we will be back into the letters again. Or you can go back and listen to one of the library episodes. I've got a crap load of library episodes at this point, and there's there's some there's some really good topics discussed in those. Go back and listen to one of those, because sometimes you got to listen to these things twice to really capture what the Founding Fathers were saying. And I encourage you to do that if you don't want to listen to this episode. But here we go. Let's talk about... The baby boom generation. We're going to go in, in timeline order, concluding with Generation Z. So the article that I'm going to reference here, believe it or not, the best article that I could find on this uh, was a Yahoo News article. Uh, I believe this was, it seems like this was carried over from The Independent. 
Uh, it was written by a woman named Sabrina Barr, and this was on uh, April 27th of 2022. Title of the article is, and I quote, What generation do you belong to? Millennial, Generation X, or Z? End quote. Okay. And I, I, I always cite my sources on this podcast, unless I slip up and make a mistake or something like that, but there's a reason why I do that. You'd be surprised how many podcast hosts just refuse to cite their sources properly. Uh, like I said earlier, I was trained by academia, and I like to think I paid attention while I was being trained by academia. That's why I this podcast sounds a lot different than any other podcast you're, you're going to listen to for the most part, with some exceptions. And the reason why that is is because I carry the lessons of academia that I learned there to this podcast. So that's why I'm always citing my sources and I'm saying quote and unquote and all these other things. I do that for your benefit, too, so you can track this material down if you want to, including this article. That and I like to give credit to the people who wrote it, as we are supposed to do in a formal education and in academia. So the uh, the baby boom generation. Let's uh, let's let's figure out how this article defines the baby boom generation. And I quote: The Pew Research Center's definition of baby boomers differs slightly, as it states that they are born between 1946 and 1964. End quote. And pr preceding that, it was talking about some of the debate around when these people were born. Because, you, like I said before, with the millennial generation, people have been all over the place with the, with Generation Y and when. I, I'll just call them millennials from now on. That makes more sense. But people more commonly know Generation Y as millennial generation. But the, the numbers have been all over the place with millennials. And like I said, as early as 1976, that, that doesn't even make any sense. People born in 1976 would have turned 18 and graduated from high school in, in, in what, the early 90s? I mean, that does, that's not millennial. That doesn't even make any sense. Um, and you'll understand how it's truly defined when I get to that point. But if there is debate about these numbers. But Pew Research says 1946 to 1964, and I agree with it. So if you're born in that time period, baby boom generation. 1946 to 1964, that would be my parents' generation, by the way, in case you're curious. They were, both, they were both born in that time period. Let's move on to Generation X. Quote, Gen Xers are thought to be those born between 1965 and 1980. End quote. So there you go, all the way up to 1980. So that eliminates that 1976 crap for the millennial generation right there. And I, I, I fully agree with this number. This number is the most common number that I, this, these dates are the most common dates I've seen for Generation X. I think this is the general consensus and it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Now let's move on to uh, the uh, much talked about millennial generation. And I quote, while many may flippantly describe all young people as millennials, the term is actually understood to refer to people who were born between 1981 and 1996, end quote. This is the most accurate number I've seen to define the millennial generation. If anybody tries to convince you that it was p that people born like for 1976, 1978 or whatever are millennials, number one, again, think about what a millennial is. How did the millennials get that nickname? They came of age, a.k.a. graduated high school roughly somewhere in that time period, turned 18 in the new millennium. Thus, you the, this is really the time period when people would have been born. 1981 is roughly about the earliest that this would have happened. So it, may, it makes perfect sense. Nobody before born, born before 1981 makes sense as a millennial. Not even close. And that 1996 end date, it makes sense to me. Logically, it makes sense. So obviously, when was Gen Z born? Let's get into that. Quote, Gen Z is widely thought to be those born between 1997 and 2012. End quote. So it actually ended ten, 10 years ago. Roughly 10 years ago. That generation has ended. Well, they stopped being born. Uh, we reached the end of the line in 2012. 
So since then, it's another generation. I've heard it described as Gen Alpha, by the way. Apparently, that's what they're calling the next one. Gen Alpha. They're going back to the beginning. But that's your generations right there. From the, uh, the baby boom generation all the way up through Gen Z. So what are the personalities, the stereotypical personalities of these generations? You know, I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to speculate somewhat about the baby boom, just just based on what I know of history. I mean, their claim to fame really was the, uh, the 1960s, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that you'd call that the claim to fame or the days of infamy for that generation. But the 1960s and 70s, you know, the, the hippie generation, so to speak. But other than that, I, a lot of these folks uh, went to Vietnam. And although my father was in the military very, very shortly after leaving school, he was uh, just a little bit too young to be sent to Vietnam. He, uh, he got in there just right after that war had basically concluded, for the United States anyway. But, you know, the generation that had to get through that, uh, kind of the malaise of the 1970s in some regard, and then claw their way through the 1980s with uh, the various changes going on. Uh, this was a, a generation that was that would certainly remember all that, and then of course the uh, infamous collapse of the Berlin Wall, Soviet Union, all that stuff. I kind of watched a lot of stuff happen that generation. A lot of a lot of really important things happened on this generation's watch. That's that's for sure. And the Gen Xers, there, there. This is one of those generations, and I, I don't know about the baby boom generation to be honest with you, but some generations I think have a split population. There's there's just a there's a line that kind of runs down maybe the middle of it or maybe one side or the other. But there were a lot of changes going on at some point, and I think I think some generations are definitely more split than others. But like with the Gen X, for example, you gotta you gotta picture this in your head from 1965 to 1980. Say 1965. Let's just do the easy math. Those folks born in 1965, they would have turned 20 in 1985. Literally, just five years after the end of the previous gener the end the end of the uh, the last of that generation was born. People born in 1980, they would have turned 20 in the year 2000. Now, that's a, that's a heck of a difference when you really think about it. That means that for some of their growing up years, people born in 1980, they would have lived with the Internet, which was a big deal. That This was a big change in society. Whereas the people, you know, born in 1965, by the time they hit 20, they never heard of the Internet. And they wouldn't hear about the Internet, most likely, for at least another 5 to 10 years. And the Internet changed so much about how we do what we do there is definitely a clear split in Generation X as far as their experience. There's like a, a first half or maybe a first third of the, the Gen X, and then there's the rest of them that came after. And I think that's a different experience. And I, and I can speak to that also with regards to the millennials in reverse as far as perspective goes. So like your first half of your Gen X, their, their experience, or roughly maybe the first third, yeah, give or take, it was very much, you know, the world that their parents grew up in, for the most part. No internet, no cell phones. And I'm speaking, uh, you know, across the broad population here. Yeah, I think there might have been some semblance of cell phones at the time. Those big monster cell phones that you needed a, 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 a forklift, you know, to lift up off the ground. I'm joking, but you get the idea. And then there's the, uh, the you know, the other side of the, the Gen X that uh, really began to see the change take place in society the change. And we're going to talk about that change a little bit later on once we get to talking really about millennials and Gen Z. But, you know, kind of the, looking at it the other way around, you know, the first half of the millennial generation, which would be myself, for example, I, I was born in the first half of the millennial generation. And again, as a reminder, this is 1981 to 1996. I really do believe that the first half of the millennial generation roughly has a very different perspective than the second half. 
And here's why. It's, it's, it's a lot of little things, and I'm not going to name them all. But like, for example, somebody born when I was born, I was very early millennial, very early millennial. Somebody born about the time that I was would remember probably their parents having a record player, for example. A record player. Now, there's people who have... that You can buy records today, you know, a vinyl album and so on and so forth. You can buy these things today. It's not like this is an alien concept to the new generation, but, I mean, not a lot of households have that kind of thing laying around, to be honest with you. There's a lot of retro-type people that like to collect these things, go out and buy a new new album and vinyl and, and all the rest of it, but that's just not common anymore. Uh, seeing a rotary dial telephone was a thing when I, when I was a kid. I remember a time, and this is key, this is, this is very important. I remember a time when there was no email. Nobody was emailing anybody. This, this was not something that anybody ever thought about doing. I, re- I, I, my, I actually, in my living memory, I remember what that was like. And I will be one of the last people alive, if I live a really long time, I will be one of the last people alive in this country that remembers that. Think about that. Did you ever think about that before? I mean, those of you millennials out there just like me, if you're in the first half of the millennial generation, have you ever thought about that before? That if you live to your ripe old age, your 90s or whatever, you will literally be one of the last people alive in the United States who remembers, who was born here, who remembers when there was no email. This was not something that anybody ever talked about, thought about. It wasn't a concept, really. Was there such a thing as email? Sure there was. In the, you know, across, you know, the internet was around for a long time, but you know, military applications, whatever. But I'm talking about civilian. Don't get technical on me out there, folks. But just try, don't even begin to get technical with me. If I wanted to get technical about this and say, well, the internet had been around since the 1950s, or okay, yeah. You know, I can tell you stories. Like my father, for example, he was a civilian contractor for the Air Force at one point. He told me a story about one of the early modems. This is back in the 80s, by the way. One of the early modems that they had at the Air Force Base. So this thing was huge. So yes, I know a little bit about the internet from that time. My father certainly did. But I'm not, I'm not talking about all that crap. I'm talking about mainline, run-of-the-mill, your average Joe in society. That's what I'm talking about here. But yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're one of the older millennials, you'll be one of the last people alive who remembers that. that that's, that's kind of serious. That's, that's important. That's from a societal benchmark. That's a big deal. Because the second half of the millennial generation, now let's say, again, it ended in 1996. Let's say you're born in 1990. By the time you're six, and this is roughly when people really have memories. I mean, some people remember when they were three or four, but not not really. I mean, and not much. Th- those memories are pretty fuzzy most of the time. But by the time they're six, you know, it's 1996, right? If you're born in 1990. This would be, again, the second half of the millennial generation. Do you really remember a time when there was no email? Do you remember a time when there was no internet? It's kind of, for, for a lot of people, not everybody in the United States, but for a lot of people, it was just, if you're born after 1990, it was just always there. Does that change your perspective on life? Does that change your perspective on the world around you? Does that change how you interact with the world? Having that perspective, not having any working knowledge of a life before the internet. Does that change who you are? Does that make you different from the generation that came before you? That has a very different perspective. Or heck, even people in the same generation who came before you who were born at the very beginning of the generation. I think it does. I think it has a very different impact on you. I'll give you, and I'll, I'll further expand this here in a few minutes after I get done talking about Gen Z. So let's talk about Gen Z. This is the, the generation, this was the first generation that was born with what I would describe as full internet saturation for the entire generation. This generation, for the most part, with rare exception in the United States. Now, I understand outside the United States, some people have lived a very different life. 
and the technology the uptake on technology and the the adoption of technology was a little bit slower in some areas roughly the same in some areas maybe even a little faster in some areas who knows but as far as people born in the United States, the Generation Z is the first generation that I would say is the, the first generation born from the very beginning with full internet saturation, for the most part. So they started in 1997 and went to 2012. By 1997 time frame, obviously they wouldn't remember a thing from 1997, so let's just start from their working memory, Not, you know, 2001, 2002, roughly time frame. That, that's what I would describe as full internet saturation. It was just every, it was ubiquitous. I got to imagine every school had it. I mean, my, the last high, the high school that I went to was practically in the middle of nowhere. And it had internet when I was, good grief, I don't know, it was a freshman. I, it was there when I got there. So this generation really has no working memory of a life before the internet. I mean, these, these folks were just born into it. The first generation to be born into it from the very beginning. That's, that's definitely something, that's a benchmark for society right there. And you got to ask yourself, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? How's that going to work out for us? And I, you know, it's, it, 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 it kind of gets to the discussion of where does this TLDR thing, where does this begin? Is this a symptom of the internet? You know, some people think it is, you know, 200, 120 or 240 characters, and that's basically people's attention span, 14 seconds roughly, is people's attention span, and that's really kind of the birth, the genesis of TLDR. Is Generation Z, or maybe the back half of the millennial generation, is this the, uh, is this, is this the TLDR generation? Honestly, I, I don't think it quite works that way. I think this TLDR thing, is not really isolated to a generation. I think it is something that goes across generations. I think it's environmental more than it is, more than it can be placed on a timeline, shall I say. Except that it seems to have, it seems to have gotten worse at a particular point in time, and I believe that the internet has something to do with that, but it's not generational. I think it's something that happens to people over time. Like, for example, I'm, I'm 100% convinced that there's people in Gen X that suffer from TLDR, a scorching case of TLDR. How did that happen? You know, these people were largely born and came of age when there was no there was no internet. Nobody had it, for the most part. So how'd that whole TLDR thing happen there? And the answer is it just kind of evolved over time. You know, eventually, you know, as the internet came around and people began to, and the multimedia culture began to really become a thing, I think people's attention spans, people who had it once upon a time, it began to atrophy. It's like a muscle, an intellectual muscle, if you will. And over time, it just kind of slowly fizzled. You know, if you, if, you, if, the, if you don't maintain some kind of a strict adherence at trying to maintain that competency of focus and attention and discipline and study and academics and things like that, it will fade over time. So do I think that Gen Z or the back half of the millennial generation is the very living representation of TLDR and it's really, it's their problem and it's isolated to that generation or those generations? No, I don't. I think any generation can fall victim to that if they let it happen. I think the internet is a big contributor to it, though. The more you wrap yourself up into that, the worse it's going to get, I think. Now, that's my opinion. But that's my, my observation over time, because like I said, I've, I've met plenty of people that were not Gen Z or the back half of the millennials that have a scorching case of TLDR. Now, let me cruise into the social media discussion for a second. I was talking earlier about me and my generation, the two halves of my generation, the first half and the second half. For some reason... I, I have observed this. I, I am an extreme example of it, but overall, I have noticed that people in the first half of my generation seem to be much less prone to becoming addicted or attached, whatever you want to call it, to social media. I certainly am an extreme example of that in, in that I have never really had any social media at all. And so, it's so unusual to find somebody who just has never really had a social media presence, period, 
that there are people today that actually are very suspicious of people, persons like myself. Very suspicious. And I've heard people talk about it. I'm dead serious. They think that if you don't have a social media presence, you're, you're somebody to be suspicious of. Just by, just by your nature. Because people have become so entwined in social media and it's become so much a part of daily life that anybody who does not partake is seen as being not, not a rebel so much as being relatively some, you know, some aloof character who's not participating in society or something of that nature, which of course is not the case. I am most assuredly participating in society in a multitude of ways. But I think part of the reason why I have been able to maintain a healthy distance from social media and basically abandon it almost entirely is because of that experience that I have before the internet was a thing. When the internet did come around, I obviously began using the internet in, I don't know when it was, maybe it was 1996 or 97, somewhere in that ballpark. I lived in a fairly rural area at the time. The internet wasn't exactly a, uh, a super easy thing to grab a hold of. So that was my first entree into the uh, end of the internet was roughly that time frame. But when, when it when it came, I, I dove into it, you know, head first. So much so I, I was quite the example of a computer geek at the time, which, by the way, at the time was not a popular thing to be. It's kind of popular now, or at least people have a healthy respect for it in many cases. But uh, at the time, it was it was seen as being something you did not want to be a computer geek when I was a kid. But I was. Uh, so much so that, you know, I I would build websites for fun on a Friday night. I'm not making that up. I actually still have, interestingly enough, I still have a copy of the original files for one of the very first websites I ever made. And it still kind of works if you, if you pop it into a web browser. It's interesting to go back and look at that kind of stuff. And this would have been a website that I put together probably in like 1998 or roughly that time period, maybe 99. And I used to be, you know, I used to do HTML kind of casually. I used to be able to just pop open a notepad in Microsoft, Microsoft Windows and just start writing a website just right there in the notepad and making an index file for like the, uh, the homepage of a website. I have since lost my HTML skills enough to, to where I probably couldn't, I couldn't do that if I had to. I'd have to go back and look at exactly how to do that and make that magic happen. But that, that was me. So... For those people who think that I am a, you know, some kind of a Luddite or something because I don't have social media or I don't participate in it or I have no relationship with computers or technology and I don't know what I'm doing, eh, they're 180 degrees wrong. As a matter of fact, I'm much more technological, technologically savvy than most people who use social media. Uh, for example, it's, it's not uncommon for me to take apart my iPhone and fix it. That's not an uncommon thing at all. I've done it several times. I've fixed other people's iPhones for them, too. So I am clearly relatively adept at technology. I've soldered circuit boards before. Nothing too complicated, but I've done that before, too. This is something that I, I do in my free time when, I, like I said, when I'm bored on a Friday afternoon, this is the kind of stuff I do. So what is it about social media? It's not that I, I have an aversion to technology, nothing, not at all. Because I think I have this perspective of growing up with the internet. See, I was old, when the internet really came around, I was old enough to be aware of that it was new, it was different, and that there was a life before the internet, and then there was a life after the internet. And these two things were going to be somewhat different. And as the internet grew up, so did I. Me and the internet grew up together. And I was aware of it the whole time, because I was old enough to be aware of it. And this is, this is a very unique point of view to have. Anybody who came before me, for the most part, except a few years back, but the, the previous generation X-type people, for the most part, when the internet came around, they were largely adults. Some of them were still not adults, but, you know, they pretty close to it. They, they were the, the, back, the back quarter or so of the Gen X generation was very similar to me. We are very similar to each other. 
Uh, I am much, we're probably much more similar to each other than I am, or the, the first half of the millennial generation is even to the second half of the millennial generation. We're much more similar to Gen X than anything else, mo- most of us. There's always exceptions. In any population of people, there's going to be exceptions to a rule, but that's my general observation. But, bef- but before that, you know, that back part of the Gen Xers, by the time the internet came around, most of those people were adults. And like I said, Gen Z and the back half of the millennial generation, they don't really remember a time where there was no internet. It was just there. So I occupy, and people like me, people born within the time frame that I'm talking about, occupy a very unique space where, like I said, quite literally, we and the internet grew up together. That is to say, the public-facing internet. And during this time, because I was a computer geek during this time, that gave me a further unique experience beyond which most people I think at the time had. And I was able to see the internet evolve, and I was able to see social media evolve. And I think I understood from the beginning what I was dealing with. Whereas, you know, the back half of the millennials, they, they, I don't think they did. uh, Because they had no perspective of what life was like before the internet. None. And Gen Z, certainly not. No perspective at all. All they know is just this limited perspective. That's all they know. Nothing terribly wrong with that until it becomes a problem. So social media, you know, has it compounded the TLDR problem? Absolutely, you know, but what's what's my primary thought on social media? Why am I wrapping that up in this conversation about the generations? Why is this important? My advice to people, I'm just going to put it out, and I've actually mentioned this on this podcast before, and I, I, I talk about this largely for the younger folks that are listening to this podcast, because who else is going to have this conversation with them? And who else is going to be able to tell them that they have basically no social media presence whatsoever. I mean, who's going to be able to tell them that? And tell them that you can live a life. You can go out there and you can live your life with no social media presence at all, technically. And you can you can be successful. I am. I managed to get through university without it. I managed to start a career without it. I still have that same career to this day. I do this podcast largely without it. I did create that Gab account, but other than that, I, don't, I haven't used that thing in months because it really doesn't help to... It, the the crowd over there apparently isn't very attuned to this material, so I just kind of gave up on it and stopped. But other than professionally for this podcast, I have absolutely no social media at all. That's the only reason I created it. I didn't create it for me personally. But outside of a professional need for it, do you need social media? No, you don't. And what's my advice? Would, would I advise you to stay off of it or to use it carefully? I would advise you to stay the heck away from it. I mean, if you want my, my honest opinion, uh, if the younger generation is, is you, know, at, you know, thinking to themselves, well, what would Roman do? Well, Roman would stay the heck off of social media because that's exactly what I've done. Now, why is that? And, you know, it, social media has different effects on different people and different types of social media. Like, like all these platforms, they hit you differently. And I have heard, and here's the thing about the social media that nobody likes to talk about. You know, there's plenty of people out there in Silicon Valley who make this stuff who don't let their children use it. And they don't, they, they don't talk positively about social media. You know, if you get a few drinks in them and you get them talking honestly about social media, they don't really have anything good to say. Just You can find the articles. People have been interviewed. There have been articles. There's been documentaries. You can go out and find this stuff. Just go find it. Just don't take my word for it. Just go look for it. You'll find it eventually. Now, why the heck would the people who are making this stuff, not all of them, but some of them, why would they say stay away from it? Why wouldn't they let their children use it? It's a question you got to ask yourself. But, you know, people out in the re- people out in the regular world, the blue-collar folks out here in the world, they, they let their children use it with reckless abandon. They just turn them loose, for the most part, as far as I can tell. And also, just as a, you know, just as a, another, another mention, I'm not going to get too, too far into this. I really am not. And the reason why I'm not is because this is a family-friendly podcast. I mean, this is how, this is how serious this social media thing is. There are things I know about that I know are happening on the regular 
interactions between what you think are regular people on social media and other people somewhere else. I'm not going to get into details on this. Number one, because I don't want to give anybody any ideas. And number two, because again, family-friendly podcast. But just if parents, if you're within the sound of my voice and you have children that are active on social media, if you don't pull them off of that, I don't know what to say to you. I have no idea. It's that bad. And this is standard issue social media. Standard issue. In other words, it's it's pervasive. Don't think your your kid's not your kid's escaping it because they ain't. You don't pull them off of that stuff. I mean, you reap what you sow. I know it's hard because it's like uh, it's addictive, you know. And, and pulling a kid off that's like pulling them off heroin, especially uh, a certain demographic of kid. I I understand. Believe me, I do. You may think I don't because I don't have any kids, but I do because again, I keep my ear to the ground and I pay attention. I know better than most. I, I know I know better than most parents what, what the deal is. Believe me, I do. And that's really only because most parents are living in denial about what's really going on there. But maybe maybe on a separate podcast somewhere, I'll talk about it if you get, if you folks really want to hear me talk about what, what's going on there and what the danger is. But there's other places you can go. You get that information if you really want to. It's not it's not terribly difficult to track it down and find it. But like I said, and, and like I said, for you young folks on social media, just get off. Just get get, get the heck off of social media. Get out of there. Uh, I know that's gonna. I know that's gonna harm your life in some particular kind of way. I, well, more specifically, it's gonna it's gonna impede your life in some particular kind of way. It's gonna slow you down in certain areas of your life. It doesn't matter. Believe me, it doesn't matter. You're better off without it. That that social media thing. It's it's basically a um, it's an anchor that's gonna take us all down if we're not if we're not very careful about how we handle that and we're not being very careful about how we handle it. I just wanted to get that out there. And when I talk about this, you might think you know what I'm talking about. Chances are you may not. I'm not talking about something that's commonly talked about in society when it comes to social media. I'm ta- I'm think- when, when I think about this problem, I'm thinking about things that most people don't think about. Okay, so understand that the problem may be a few layers deeper than you realize it is. Just a thought. I mean, I could, I could read you an article right now. I, I, I debated whether or not to do this. I probably won't on this podcast because it, it really... It's, it's on another level than just this discussion about the generations and TLDR and social media. But maybe maybe someday on another format, another another venue, I'll read the article to you. But it's basically about social media, and number one, it scares the crap out of me. It concerns me greatly, and it, it paints a very disturbing picture of what people become when they use social media. And when social media becomes pervasive and it just becomes a way for people to connect with others around the world. We, we thought this thing, you see, because I remember the discussions around this. This was supposed to be the way that we were going to connect with people around the world, and it was going to be great and positive, and it was going to open worlds, and it was going to open conversations and all the rest of it. It really has not worked out that way. This has not been a good thing, in my humble opinion. Social media has been an absolute disaster. The internet itself has been half a disaster and half a benefit to mankind. It's kind of a half and half. It really is. I mean, if somebody asked me on any given day, should we should we eliminate the internet entirely and just 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 tear it down and get rid of it and go back to the way life was back in 1985? It depending on what day you ask me, you might get a no or you might get a yes. It depends on what day. And I'm being very serious when I say that because some days I'm like, you know, tear it down, take a wrecking ball to it, burn burn every server, tear all the Cat five and Cat six cable out of this world and. St- Start a bonfire with it. Of course, that would probably be a toxic hazard, so you probably don't want to do that. But and then other days, I'd be like, no. Um, the the benefit from it, there's clearly a benefit to it, and maybe 
maybe in the final analysis it outweighs all the negatives, but I'm really hard-pressed to argue that. What in the world does any of this have to do with history? The problem I, I, th- I have most with Gen Z, for example, they don't seem to, and th- again, this is, the, this is the stereotypical, monolithical description of Gen Z. Gen Z is made up of individuals, unique human beings, and every single one of these human beings is a little bit different. And one other thing I do want to mention, by the way, about generations. Some people don't realize this, and I mentioned this. This, is re- this really was my segue into this episode, was on a previous episode I had mentioned that I am much more like my grandparents' generation than I am my own generation. My grandparents, by the way, would be in the, what's called the silent generation, which would be the generation that immediately preceded the baby boom generation. They were kind of an in-between generation, in between that generation that fought World War II and then the baby boomers. And why is that? Why am I more like them than I am my own generation? Well, the answer is because I chose to be. Now, why did I choose to be? I chose to be because they were the closest generation to me that I actually admired. I did not admire Generation X at all. And I hope you folks don't take offense to that because I'll, I'll throw stones at my own generation. I don't admire my generation in the least bit. The millennial generation, I can't stand it. Yes, I said it. And frankly speaking, the baby boom generation... There's things I could say about the baby boom generation I'm not going to, because it would be a little bit too too much for people to handle. I'm going to dial it down just a little bit. Just so you know, for those of you who don't think I exercise restraint in my criticism on this podcast, you have no idea. I mean, if I really if I really wanted to get into it about the baby boom generation, it would be fire-breathing oratory, and by the time I was done, I would burn that generation to the ground with my words, just to put that in perspective for you. And again, for those of you out there who are in the baby boom generation, if you feel the urge to take offense to what it is that I'm saying, understand I'm describing a whole generation. I'm not describing you individually. Everybody's an individual like like me, for example. Am I like the millennial generation? No, I am not. I don't use social media at all, except again, a little bit for this podcast because of some particular business need to be able to advertise the podcast or to get the word out about it. But personally, have I ever functionally used social media? No. Have I ever had a Facebook? No. Have I ever had an Instagram? No. Have I ever had some personal Twitter account that I used for tweeting random whatever's about my personal? No. In so many different kinds of ways. And honestly, my life is, it's really, if people saw my life, they would wonder probably sometimes, how the heck do I do it? I I said it before, I've never taken a vacation in my entire adult life. And and that's, that's the truth. I never have. Does that sound like a millennial to you? No. So understand, when I criticize these generations, I'm criticizing my own. I belong to a generation that is hugely flawed. My generation is a walking problem without a really good solution, except to do what I did, which was cast a glance back in time and look at a generation that came before me that was much better than mine, much better than any of the generations that came around me. And the silent generation was that. Did they have their flaws? Sure. But the rules they lived their life by... The principles that defined who they were, they're better than the millennials. They're better than Generation X. They're better than the baby boom generation, in my opinion. Now, you can disagree with me. You can see that Gen Z is leading the way. Gen Z is the the example to follow. They're the future. We got to follow Gen Z. We got to do what they do. Personally, I think that's insanity. And I would say the same thing about the millennial generation. Millennial generation, they're the future. They know what's going on. They know what time of day it is. We got to follow and do exactly what the millennial generation is doing. That's insanity. And I'm telling you all this to tell you, especially you young people out there who still have a chance to save yourselves 
you do not have to get locked into your generation. You don't have to do things like your generation is doing it. You don't have to, because I have not. I refuse to. So if you want to say to your, so if you feel like you're, you're trapped in a generation, if you feel like you're trapped in this, this way of doing things because your friends are doing, doing some particular kind of thing, and the people you see on YouTube are doing a particular kind of thing, and you have, you know, this is the generation you're in, this is the way it is. No, it's not. You can change it. And if there were enough of you that wanted to change it, you could move the world. Now, you're probably not going to because most people just go with the flow. Most people take the path of least resistance. Most people are what I would describe as white flag Americans. They don't have the, the moral fortitude to fight against the very momentum of history. The Founding Fathers did. I like to think that I do, and perhaps you do, but most people do not. Most people were not built for that. But there you go. You can change it if you want to. So if you want to, if you want to be more like the silent generation, then you do that. You figure out a way to make that happen. It's not going to be perfect, but you can get close. Because it might be worth it to you, it might be beneficial to you to do it. I just wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of that, especially the young folks out there who might hear this podcast. If you feel trapped, if you feel despair, if you feel like you're stuck. And by the way, I have heard more than one interview recently by people who know what they're talking about, and I have read more than one article in psychology journals and other places that this country today is defined in some way, shape, or form by despair, malaise. All kinds of words are being used. You wonder why I'm talking about this. This is why. We can ignore it. We can stick our head right up our sphincter, and we can ignore it. We can bury our head in the sand. We can put our hands over our ears and go, la, 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 I don't hear anything. Or we can actually do something about it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I decided a long time ago I was going to be an adult in the room. I was not going to be a child and put my hands over my ears and go, la, 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 la. I don't hear anything. So I wanted to make sure everybody is aware, especially, again, the young folks, you can change that. Don't feel like you're stuck. Don't feel like you're trapped where you're at, because you're not. You can get out. And this podcast, believe it or not, will help you with that, especially as time goes on. So I hope you stick with it. There, I said my piece. I don't bear a striking resemblance to hardly anybody in my generation. But my big problem with Gen Z is that they don't seem to they don't seem to understand. And this was the problem with the millennial generation, too, for example. I, I don't think this is different. Uh, they don't seem to want to understand what the world was like before they got here. They don't seem to want to understand how were things done before this before I was born into this Internet thing. And thus the reason why so many of them, they, they don't go back and study history. They don't go, certainly asking them to study the Founding Fathers, for the most of them, is a bridge too far. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they just don't think it's necessary. Their parents, most of them, didn't reinforce it. The schools sure as crap didn't reinforce the study of history at all. And that gen that generation, in that generation, it's worse than any other generation that came before. My generation was pretty bad on this, pretty bad. I mean, it was, like I said, it was, my, my generation is just a total wreck of a generation when it comes to studying history. Just a disaster. But Gen Z takes it, I think, to another level. I, I, I don't see any really great examples where any sizable number of those people are understanding that they, they were born into a very unique period in time. The world has not been this way for very long. Probably a good idea to go back and look and see how things were done before and how we got here. And are we better off than we were 100 years ago? As far as how we interact with each other, has this has this internet, this social media thing helped us compared to like say the time when the founding fathers were around and they were writing these letters. The reason why we have all these great letters from the founding fathers is because there was no internet, there were no telephones, 
It was the only way that they could communicate. And, that, and, and the beauty of those letters, the, the, the magnificence of those letters that I read, I thank God that we have those letters. Because without them, we would be missing something, something truly important. Because studying the people who came before us, although they lived in a different time and their life seemed so much different than ours, their experience is so valuable to inform our own experience. And I don't think Gen Z really understands this in any meaningful way. I think some millennials do. Gen X, again, I, I think some do. The baby boomers, I think a lot of them do. I think a lot of the baby boomers understand this. They haven't applied it very well as a generation. Some individuals have, some groups have, but as a generation, they haven't applied it very well. But I think they understand it generally when I talk to them. They seem to be more cognizant of it and even somewhat cognizant of their own deficiencies, or at the, or at the very least, the deficiencies of their generation when it comes to that kind of thing. Whereas Gen Z seems to be completely ignorant about their deficiencies on this issue, studying history and, under, and trying to understand the people who came before them, the importance of that. Now, in conclusion, I want to revisit this, uh, this concept of every generation being an island unto itself. This is a huge mistake to think this way. Because if we thought that way, the Founding Fathers and the wisdom and guidance that—I I told you I'd find a way to thread the Founding Fathers into this, I think. The, the wisdom of the Founding Fathers would just be—it would be a big nothing. You know, the instruction manual to the Constitution, it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't care. If every generation was an island unto itself, just forget about everything that came before and just live for today. That's basically the, the concept there. But of course, life doesn't work that way. We are very much impacted today by the things that came before— it's, it should be obvious we still have the Constitution. The Declaration of Independence is still a thing. The Bill of Rights is still a thing. We are impacted by these people who came before us. And how this escapes Generation C, I don't know, except, again, they were failed miserably by their sc the school system. They were failed miserably by society. And if you're a member of Gen Z, number one, I want you to leave a review on the podcast and let me know what you think about all this. But maybe you don't even understand how badly you were failed by this society that you live in. Because I can, I can tell you right now, I was failed by this society. This country failed me. Well, not the country itself, the people in it. The schools failed me. Society failed me. And what do I mean by that? Imagine growing up in a country where from the time you're born until the time you're 30 or 40 or whatever, you keep hearing people say that this country is a democracy. And it's not. That's a very real representation of this country failing the young people the young generations of this country, one generation after the next for probably at least four generations now. Democracy, democracy, democracy. It's not a democracy. They want you to believe it's a democracy, and society just repeats it like a, like, like a bunch of incompetent fools, but it's not true. And it betrays the true intent of what the Founding Fathers were trying to do. That is society failing the young people in this country. That's what I mean when I say Generation Z and my generation. I'm not trying to throw a pity party here. I'm just trying to point something out because this needs to be fixed. I can't fix it. I can't help anybody out there fix it until I say something about it. So I don't want to hear any crap about somebody saying, oh, you're, oh, you're it's just like some kind of a pity party. You, you playing the victim. You, you saying that you were failed by society and blah, 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 blah. Is this you trying to play the victim card? No, moron. I'm not trying to play the victim card. How the heck do you fix something if you don't talk about it? If you don't point out the frickin' problem, and if you don't understand that, then go stick your head right back up your rear end where it was and wander off into ignorance. Because if I said it once, I'll say it again. 
I can't stand the fact that so many generations in this country were failed by this society, by this country, the people in it. We're not supposed to be failing the next generation. That's not that's not our job. That's not what we're supposed to do. And this is me saying this. I don't even have any children. I've got nothing invested in this as far as my family because I don't have one. So the fact that I am even expending any energy at all to point this out is me going above and beyond. Because after I'm gone, this is it for me. The only thing I really have in this world, aside from my parents or grandparents or whatever, but I don't have a family of my own is what I'm saying, they're probably going to be gone before I go. This is just how life works. So when I'm gone, this is it. I've got no reason, really, in this world to be trying to save this thing and to be trying to not fail the next generation. As far as I'm concerned, I could just write this whole thing off, sail into the sunset, live out my last years, and be done with this place. But I want this country to be here for that Gen Z or that Gen Alpha. But I can tell you right now, it's not going to be if we keep failing the next generation and not teaching them history, not making sure the history department's doing its frickin' job, and if we keep wandering around calling this country a democracy and not reading the instruction manual that came with the Constitution of the United States of America. If we keep ignoring all that, we're failing the next generation coming up. We Haven't we done enough of this? And those of you in the millennial generation, in my generation, aren't you angry that society failed you? Doesn't this bother you? Or is it just me? Am I the only one out there who is bothered by the fact that society has failed again and again and again? Now, I know some of you parents out there, hopefully all of you folks who are parents listening to this podcast, you're not one of the ones that have failed your children. Because like I said before, my father did not fail me in this regard. He taught me a lot about history because he was a big history enthusiast as well. I mean, in my early years, a lot of what I learned about history was just from him talking about it. Casual conversation. How many casual conversations about history did I have with my father? I can't even remember them all. There were so many. So I know there's plenty of people out there like that. There's just not enough. So we have to reinvigorate this thing. We have to put some energy into this. And you have to encourage your, your friends and your family and your children and your grandchildren to talk about this. So that the next generation hopefully is not failed as bad as we were. And they don't grow up knowing almost nothing about this country that they, that they grew up in. And just because you know what has transpired during your generation doesn't mean you know what this country is or where it comes from. Because no generation is an island unto itself. None. You cannot understand what this country is today unless you understand what it was yesterday. And you will never be able to guide this country in the right direction or any real direction at all if you're rudderless because you don't understand where you're sailing from. So you just kind of sail off into the ocean blind as a bat, no rudder. And Gen Z has a big problem with this. The millennial generation had a big problem with this too, and still does, by the way. A little bit less so now. People tend to fix these things a little bit as they get older, but we don't have time for that crap. Because between the time they're 18 and 50, when they finally figure some of this out, assuming they do it all, most of them probably never will, all they're doing is just doing damage to this country all along the way. Because they were uneducated. And yes, the internet and social media has made this even worse. Because instead of, you know, cracking a book open and reading that, you know, they pop up social media and they read that, which is basically just full of garbage. For the most part. There's exceptions to that. I mean, there's some good stuff being put out there on social media, but it's usually an extension of what somebody's doing somewhere else, like a, a podcast, for example. You may have a great podcaster out there who does some really great material on, could be could be the news, it could be business, could be a business podcast that's talking really great business, and they, they have a side thing like a Twitter or something. They, they tweet some stuff out every once in a while. That's fine. 
it's all the rest of the stuff that I worry about. But how do we how do we fix these generational problems? You know, this this problem where Generation Z has no sense of itself because it doesn't know where it comes from, because it doesn't understand the world that came before, how different the world was. And you can kind of tell them about it, and like like kids do, they'll probably just roll their eyes and go, oh, okay, boomer. Yeah, yeah tell me about those old-timey ways before the internet. Somehow you gotta get, you gotta really get them to appreciate, I don't know how you do that, It's it depends on the individual, but you gotta get them to appreciate this history, otherwise it's just gonna be lost. You can't just kind of say, oh, well, they're just a bunch of kids. Let's just, uh, they'll figure it out eventually, because a lot of times they don't. And they're not going to, they're not going to circle back around more often than not. They're not going to circle back around and start studying this material, like from the Founding Fathers, for example. And this, and the reason why I'm harping on this so much is because, again, if we don't, if we don't study the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and all the rest of it and where this stuff comes from, it's going to be gone. Some generation in this country is going to wake up and that Constitution isn't going to be worth the paper it's printed on. It's going to be somebody's toilet paper. That Constitution ain't going to save itself. We have to do that. We have to, we have to preserve the Constitution of the United States of America. But if we got generations coming up that have no concept of that document or where it comes from or why, it's impossible to save it. It's not improbable to save it. It's impossible to save it. It will be gone. It's only a matter of time. There's no if. It's a when. But we don't have to let it get that bad. But to do to fix all these things again, we have to educate the people around us, not just ourselves. We have to reach out to those people that are right next to us, that brother, that sister, that cousin, and we have to just start talking about it. How important that is. And you can you can you know a lot of the stuff that I give you on this podcast, be it the conspiracy to commit murder, that that letter from Benjamin Franklin that clearly describes a premeditated setting up of the colonists to lure them into war. That is very fascinating history. And if you want to start a conversation with somebody that's probably going to get their attention, you might say to them, you know, hey, what do you know about, you know, when this country started? Let me tell you a story that I heard recently about how the how the war got started and how the United States became a thing. It was actually started by somebody who was plotting to commit premeditated murder in the American colonies. It was really an attempted murder of a great many people that got this country started. And it was a king of England who deliberately started a war. He started a civil war for no other reason than, eh, just something to do. He wanted to execute a tyranny or some other such story that we've talked about on this podcast or stories that were that were yet to talk about. But I have a passion for this material. You know, some somebody, you know, somebody has asked me before. It's like in a, it, very much like that previous episode where I began becoming rather animated about um, the conspiracy to commit murder, as I called it. They they asked me, you know, hey, Ro- hey, Roman, why do you got to be so angry uh, about this stuff all the time? And I told him, I was like, I, I don't think I'm angry. I think I'm passionate about it. And when I asked him, I was like, would you pay would you pay any attention at all to this podcast if I just read the letters and didn't say anything else? If I just literally just read the letter from top to bottom and didn't say a word, didn't have any passion, didn't have any energy for it. And they said, oh, probably not. And I was like, exactly. Now, that's why so many kids in history class like Generation Z, they may try to teach some of this stuff in history class. But if there's no passion behind it, if there's no energy, they're going to sail through that class and not, not give a crap about whatever it is that they're teaching in there. So as parents and as friends, we have to have some passion for it in order for them to have any passion for it. And you might say to one of your friends, hey, would you like to know about one of the greatest criminal conspiracies in the history of the world? One that got ten, tens of thousands of people killed, started a civil war, and created the United States of America? Is that something that you would like to know about? Because I can tell you a story 
about a conspiracy to commit murder designed and orchestrated by a legislature and a king for the purposes of expanding power. And power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Would you like to hear how he planned to murder the people in the colonies? Not all of them, of course, but whoever got in his way. Maybe they'll be interested in that. That's a heck of a story. And you can tell them yourself, or you can you can direct them to this podcast. And I know some of you folks do, by the way. You do direct people to this podcast, and I greatly appreciate that. And I know the Founding Fathers would as well, just if for no other reason, like I said, because, you know, we're studying their letters. But the next generation needs you. The next generation isn't going to learn this stuff without you. The next generation is going to be rudderless without you. You are very, very important. You are out there on the front lines. And you can get in between the misinformation artists who call this country a democracy. You can get in between them and the people who might hear that and think that, Oh my gosh, heavens to Betsy, I believe this is a democracy after all because this charlatan over here just told me that it is a democracy. No, it's not. And it never should be. But we're going to see how Generation Z turns out. Is it going to be better or worse than the millennial generation? That is to say, my generation? I don't know. I'm not going to cast anybody's fortunes before it before it's time. I just know they got a problem right now. And the the next one coming up, Gen Alpha, I mean, good grief. They're, by the time the back half of that generation comes of age, this country is going to be, this world, shall I say, is actually going to, it's going to be a very different place. Uh, in, in, in many ways. In some ways, no, because, again, the world never really changes fundamentally. People are people. We're, we're the same people we were 10,000 years ago, but the things we do, the, the way we interact with the world, sometimes these things change greatly. And if we don't, you know, explain to people, you know, the importance of staying true to certain values, like the Bill of Rights, for example, and we don't explain where this stuff comes from or the how and the why of it, you know, people are going to ask the question, what do we need with that old dusty document, the Constitution of the United States? What do we need with that thing? And I don't know whether it's going to be Gen Z that says it first or if it's going to be Gen Alpha or whatever. I mean, some people in the millennial generation and honestly Gen X and baby boomers have already said it, but when that when the, when that's going to reach some kind of a critical mass and people actually do start setting that document on fire i have no idea my goal is to try to keep that from happening and you know as i said before not so that my children can live in this country free because i don't have any but so that your children can and so that everybody else's children can have an opportunity to benefit from the bill of rights that most people in the world don't get to benefit from most people in the world don't have anything even even like that at all or if they do, it's basically just toilet paper and it changes with the wind because their government can just change it whenever they darn well please. It's like the old Soviet constitution that way. And so some parts of that sounded really glorious until you realize that it was basically just a bunch of crap. And we got to teach our kids the difference, right? We got to teach the next generation the difference. Otherwise, they're not going to know the difference. Sometimes a mirage looks just as real to somebody as something that is actually physically there. So that so now that we now that we understand, you know, the generations, they are different in some respects. They grew up in different times and the world has changed in some ways. The way we interact with the world more than anything else has changed. We know that. But we know that there are certain fundamental princi fundamental principles that just never change. Government is still government. Politicians are still politicians. Corruption is corruption. And the same tools that we used to deal with that 250 years ago when John Adams was alive should be the same tools that we use today for the same problems. So let's continue to study the Founding Fathers of the United States of America so that not just their generation can benefit from this, but so that our generation and each succeeding generation can benefit from it as well. And let's teach that to the next generation.
Let's educate the next generation. Help them understand. Because I don't think anybody else is going to. The school system isn't going to. The broader society isn't going to. The politicians are not going to. We have to do that. And you Gen Z folks out there, most of you are, you know, really becoming adults now. I mean, we're, get, we're crossing into that threshold where, where a majority of you folks are going to be adults. Because, again, that started in 1997, that generation. I mean, they turned, that, that, those people born then, they turned 20 back in 2017. And the last of you folks born in 2012, it's not too long now. Those folks will be adults. Eight more years, roughly. There's still time to influence Generation Z. There's still time to get this material in front of them. Some of you folks out there may be parents of Generation Z children. Very, very valuable parents you are. You are in a fantastic position to influence that generation and to teach them some really good quality history. And if you're listening to this podcast, especially if you're still tuned into this episode, I know that you're probably of the quality that will do exactly that. And, you know, hopefully, you know, my attempts to articulate the Founding Fathers' importance, you know, in, in ways that I say it, like, you know, th their letters are the instruction manual to the Constitution of the United States. Hopefully that inspires you to take a, a good solid effort towards teaching that to your children, the next generation, whatever, what have you. Because anytime you inherit something, I, I, I did a whole episode on this before, you know, if you, Generation Z is going to inherit the Constitution of the United States of America. There's, that's just, that's just the way it is. And that's a good thing. They're going to inherit the Bill of Rights so that they have the freedom of speech. They can express themselves the way that they want. They have the freedom of assembly, the freedom of petition. They have the right to be secure in their, their papers and their property. These, this is all good stuff. But when they inherit something like that, they have to read the manual that came with it. And you can teach them that. You folks out there who know somebody in Generation Z, maybe you are Generation Z. Or if, you're, if, if you have children and they're Generation Z or Gen Alpha even, you can give them the instruction manual. And you can start talking to them about it. You're on the front line of information and history. I don't think there's like I don't think there's anything more important in this world a parent can do than educate their children, especially in history. The most valuable lessons that I think I ever got from my father when I think about it are those conversations that we had about history and where we come from and the importance of defending the Constitution of the United States of America, the government that it created so that people could live free, I treasure those conversations. And so I hope you found this episode somewhat um, interesting. Uh, we started off with just a very casual discussion about what the generations were, and of course, uh, in true form, I, I ended by saying that, you know, these generations that we talked about, all of us, together, we're all in this together. We all have to understand the Founding Fathers. If we're going to keep what we have, I keep saying that. Benjamin Franklin said, we have a republic if you can keep it. That's what this whole discussion today has been about. It's about not just the baby boomers getting to benefit from this constitution, but the Gen Xers as well, and then the millennials, and then Gen Z, and everybody who comes after them. We all must work hard to keep the republic, and we can't do it without Gen Z. We will never be able to keep this thing without them. And as messed up of a world as they were born into, somehow we have to cut through all that noise and get them to understand that there are very important things that happened before they were born that had nothing to do with the internet, and nothing to do with social media, and this multimedia world that they were born into, something much more fundamental. And so we shall continue to do that on this podcast, and I hope you do it as well. So I hope you will join me on the next episode of this podcast, where we will get back into learning from the great founding fathers and the wisdom that they have to share with us. And whether you be in the baby boom generation, or earlier even, or Gen X or you're with me in the millennial generation, or you're Gen Z, 
I hope I will see you on the next episode. And with all that said, this is Roman signing off. Thank you.